Welcome, folks, to the DenCast Podcast. It's March 15th. I'm your host, Michael Wright, with my good friend, Ian Lind. Ian, how's it going today? Better than ever, Michael. We've had a warm week here in Michigan, and, and that really gets me thinking about the best part of spring, NFL free agency and the draft. I'm excited to see what the Lions are cooking up this year. Exactly. You got that right, Ian. There's a lot of topics that I want to discuss about the Lions this week. About first, I do want to remind people to follow us at Dencast Podcast on Twitter and be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a five star review, and you know, maybe grow this thing a little bit. So all right, let's get into it. Ian, I think we know what we need to talk about today. This week, Kenny Galladay came out, will not be signing a deal with the Lions, and we will be moving on. Ian, I know you are a big Galladay fan, as as am I. I mean, I have a signed photo of him on my wall, but I, I really want to get your thoughts on this. What is your reaction to this? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of Galladay as well. I, I was at, actually at the opening game against the Arizona Cardinals in 2017 um, to, to see his rookie debut and see his two touchdown catches one of them uh in the corner of the end zone that i was actually seated in so that was very cool that, that's the one that my that my photos of the signed photo yep the one that your photo is of i was at that game exactly exactly but honestly i, I firmly believe that that letting galladay walk was was a big loss to our team and uh and although we need to manage cap space i thought keeping him was was financially doable um it was it, obviously we would have maybe had we would have had to bite off a little bit more than we wanted to but i think we could have kept him around if we wanted to I also think that keeping him, he, he was vital to our receiving core, even even in a rebuild type of year. It's clear that he is the best player on our team at this point in time, and I think, I think he's a pillar for our entire team. And I think it would have been more beneficial to keep him around and plant a strong young group of receivers around him, um, especially with how much uncertainty we have on offense right now. I know we're rebuilding, but I think he could have been a great part of this rebuild. Okay, yeah, so, you know, honestly, you know I love Galladay. You know that I am very sad to see him go. You know that I'm going to miss him. But honestly, my take, going against my passionate side and going with my logically speaking side, you know, my logical side, I guess you should say, I think this is the best thing for both the Lions and Galladay. Uh, The Lions are in a position where they won't be contenders for a couple of years. And by the time they are contenders, Galladay will be older older and out of his prime. Uh, And, you know, he needs to be in a team where, with how good he is, he needs to be on a team that's going to win now. Uh, You know, spend a lot of money on wide receivers when they're a dime a dozen. So franchise taking Galladay and spending that kind of money on him might not make sense, especially with all these wide receivers that are in the draft. And the nice thing is we can use our franchise tag on new talent down the road. Now, the Lions are looking for a faster, more athletic wide receiver, probably, just based on uh, Brad Holmes' history with drafting players. I don't think that Kenny Galladay fits that. I mean, I think he, he's you know an athletic player, but he's not fast. And one of the biggest things that uh, Brad Holmes really looks at, it's come out, is looking at the GPS scores of the players while they were playing college. A lot of people don't track, you know, combine scores. A lot of players, a lot of, you know, good GMs, a lot of good scouts don't really care about the combine. They care about the stats, all that data that's in college. And looking at people like Jalen Waddell, who has, you know, the fastest GPS score out of any wide receiver in the draft, I think that Brad Holmes has his eyes on him more. So I am sad to see him go, but it makes sense. It's good for the team, especially with the fact that we're looking to rebuild and Galladay won't be of use to us because we're not going to win in the next couple of years. 
I agree with that. I agree with that. GPS scores, athleticism, gaining separation, it's all very good stuff. But you can't argue with the facts, and the facts are is that he led the league in touchdowns in 2019 when he was fully healthy. He made his he made the Pro Bowl. Um, and I don't know about you, but, but watching him as a Lions fan, any time a ball came his way, one, one of two things was going to happen, Michael. He either was going to almost make the catch or he was going to make the catch. It was one or the other. There was no in-between. And, and the last time we've seen anybody do anything like that, not only on our team, but in the entire league, was when Megatron was still playing. I truly believe that Galladay is, is the new Megatron of the league, if you will. Obviously, nobody can replace Megatron, but he's the closest thing we have seen since Megatron. I truly believe that. And uh, I personally, I think we should have already got a deal done with him this past season. And, uh, and to see us pass up franchise tagging him, it was extremely frustrating. Um, of course, some people may call me a little bit biased, like I said, but... But I think his play on the field absolutely speaks for itself. And and as you were saying, one more thing. I know you were saying that receivers are a dime a dozen, but Kenny Galladay's are not a dime a dozen. Um, and I know we're in rebuild mode. I know we're trying to create a new identity on offense, but we've already let go of so many of our other pieces, Michael. And, of course, we, we're, we're not in a win-now era right now. I get that. I totally get that. But I feel like letting Galladay walk, our best player right now, it just blatantly shows that we're content with losing now um, to try to rebuild. And as fans, it's, okay. that's extremely frustrating to see. Yeah, no, I'm going to cut you off right there. I know that, and I think this is the first time we disagreed on this podcast. I know that you said you acknowledge that we're in a rebuild mode now, but we're not letting, we're not accepting the fact we're going to lose now. See, what the Lions have done for years is that, think of the Lions as a car, right? And when your car's broken down, it needs a new transmission and stuff, the Lions, instead of totaling it after it gets in a wreck after instead of totaling it and getting a brand new car the lions haven't even taken it into a shop they haven't even taken it to a shop to get it fixed professionally they've taken it to the backyard put it on some blocks put it on some cinder blocks and started going at it with their own tools watching youtube videos trying to figure out how it done trying to figure out how it's done you know they they keep matthew stafford if they keep galladay just to keep him you know we need to tear this thing apart throw it in the river we need to just come back and get that brand new car you know we need to scrap what we have and i think that's what the lions are doing it's going to be painful it's going to be absolutely painful but nobody has had the guts to do this until brad holmes came along and yeah people aren't going to like not having galladay but everybody with me agrees that getting rid of galladay is the best choice i mean listening to 97 won the ticket listening to you know pride of detroit the the newspaper listening to lions wire you know everybody's agreeing that getting rid of Galladay is and not franchise tagging him was the best thing. And I'm going to disagree to, to the fact that you would say that we're okay with losing now. No, we're not okay with losing. That's why we're building to get better and building so that in five years we win the NFC North and we go to the NFC championship we're, game. We're trying to go and, down. And I, we're trying to know. go down so we can go up. I totally get that. And it may, it may honestly be the best um, move in the long run. But I believe there are still ways to win games and give fans hope in the midst of a rebuild. But I believe, just to your point, I believe they're openly opting to tear down to the studs. They they, they truly are. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I and you know what? I'm absolutely happy with that. I don't think. Let me get this straight. I'm not saying this is the same thing as tanking. You know how much I hate tanking. You know how much I hate intentionally losing. But I think that, you know, the draft, the the big thing is, too, is that teams didn't plan for the, you know, 
the cap, the the salary cap to go down this year. The coronavirus wasn't planned, so there's going to be a lot of cuts all across the league. You know, that's that's not just because the Lions are rebuilding. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the salary cap went down when it's constantly going up. So, you know, we're going to be pushing a lot of the money off until you know, later in the year. And that means that we're going to sign people longer if we're going to be signing them to contracts, which the Lions aren't in the mood to do. So the Lions are going to be signing a lot of short-term contracts, a lot of cheap contracts, only because in the long run, they're going to be in a position later on in the future. In future years, they're going to have a lot more salary salary cap space because they didn't sign these people to these long deals and pushing the money on the far end because they're worried about the salary cap this year. The Lions are planning for the future so that they will have the most capital, the best team, and I think they're doing it right. A lot of teams aren't doing that now, and Brad Holmes sees into the future, you know? I understand. I understand. And uh, and it's going to be – and Galladay was demanding a, a boatload. Galladay was demanding a fortune, and it's it's going to be hard to see a, a player like that walk away regardless. Um, of course, we obviously couldn't get the deal done, and, and it's unfortunate. But anytime you have a player with that much talent, it, it's hard to see him walk away. But – Moving on. Yeah, no, I get that. And so I know you had something else you wanted to talk about today. I have some more stuff I want to get to, but let's talk about your topic right now. Uh, it's actually kind of cool. You wanted to talk about the the rookies this year. Is that right? Yep, yep. I know we already talked about Swift and Okuda a little bit on, on some of the previous episodes, but I wanted to run through with you a little bit and, and touch on the identity and, and the performance of each one of our 2020 rookies. Um and just talking about maybe how they fared in 2020 and what their place may be in the new system. And um, so we can start here. We're going to go from lowest to highest. We're going to start with uh, we're going we're going to start with John Penasini, um, a six round pick. He actually saw the most um, playing time out of any of our defensive tackles, um, and and he made some plays when he was out there. But it he was a six round pick. That's that's the reality of it. We didn't have a whole lot of depth at defensive tackle, and he saw the field a lot more than he thought he was going to. So he's a guy that I think was thrown to the wolves a little bit sooner than maybe a lot of us had expected. But he's a guy who uh, can hopefully make some plays going forward, and we'll see who we to pick up, and we'll see who we draft in free agency as well. Exactly. You know, I think the great thing about him is, say what you will, he might not be the best player, but getting drafted in the sixth round and seeing that much playing time, getting paid that much money because of how much time he saw on the field, mm-hmm. that John Penasini is living the life. You know what I mean? That's that's the dream, getting drafted in the sixth round and, you know, not Absolutely. having to worry about, you know, and actually getting that playing time. That's that's exciting. I think that he was a he was a steal for what we used him for. You know? I, I think he held up well for what he was asked to do. Yeah, he... He wasn't. He's not anybody that you're gonna pick out of a crowd. He's not anybody that makes a lot of a good plays. Uh, but he he wasn't terrible. He didn't he didn't let a lot of you know gaps open. He, I don't think he was that bad. He, right. We have to remember our right. defense as a whole was kind of there was a lot of things going on there. So it's hard to hard to really speculate on that. But moving on to the next player here, I want you to talk about uh, fifth round pick Quintez Cephas. All right, Quintez Cephas. So my take on Quintez Cephas, a lot of people. I see hype him up a little bit, you know, acts like he's, he's, he's a good receiver. I don't think he's that great. Um, I don't remember the exact number, how many dropped balls he had. Uh, I'm actually going to look that up right now because it seems like he dropped a lot of balls um, last season. I know you really like him. I know you're a big fan. I, th- I know you think he's like the future of the team. And I know that a lot of wide receivers in the fifth round. I mean, I think Antonio Brown was a fifth round pick, right? I, I believe right so. Um, so, 
it can't happen. I mean, two touchdowns, 349 yards, and 20 receptions. He, he's a bigger-bodied guy. He's a bigger-bodied guy and kind of a jump ball guy. And I know you did mention we were looking to move on to some more athletic, faster receivers. Yeah, and that's why I don't think just – I don't think he's going to be – there for the long haul even though i know i know you're a big fan of him honestly but i just i don't think he's i don't think he's the a great receiver i don't see him being a long-term solution to our receiving core um like a lot of people a lot of people seem to be talking about that i i just i don't know i don't think he's he's okay he he's good for for where we drafted him but Mm -hmm. i i don't i don't know he's he's not going to be part of an elite receiving core especially with who we had last year i agree i think i think he saw some early playing time he made the most of it he may see some more with a depleted receiving core but i I don't think he's probably i don't think he's really the future at the position but he is a big playmaker he can make some big jump jump ball catches when the ball does come his way moving on here to um the guard that we drafted in the fourth round logan stenberg from Kentucky. I was actually very, very intrigued by him. He was just a people mover. He was a guy who just cleared the way in the run game for Kentucky for a number of years. Um, I think it could be actually beneficial for us to have a guy like him as a depth interior lineman um, in case we do need to plug him in as we did have some injuries this past season on the O-line. If that happens again this year and we need to plug him in, I think we'll be more opportune to, to to put him in and give him some snaps in what's looking like it's going to be probably a run-heavy approach with Anthony Lynn and Deuce Staley coming in, really with the ground-and-pound attack. So if we unfortunately have injuries, kind of like we did last year, and we need an interior guy to step in, I think we could see Logan Stenberg get some playing time where he didn't get as much last year because we were chucking the ball all over the yard. Yeah. No, I I think that's... I think that's I honestly I don't know what to say about him because he didn't see the field at all. I I didn't really watch any film on him. Uh, I know I usually do that after the draft, but that was a year ago, Ian, and I just I I couldn't tell you anything about Logan Stenberg. Uh, just being completely honest. But next, I know who was round three. There's two of them. There's Jonah Jackson and Julian Aguara. Um, obviously Julian Aguara, so cool to see him get drafted to Romeo's team. Actually, speaking of Romeo, just a side note, I know that. We might be working out a deal with him. I uh, just came across today that they are going to try to squeeze in a deal with uh, free agent Romeo Corps, which is kind of cool to keep him on his brother's team. But, Ian, I, I have a lot I want to say about the the first two rounders. Um, can you talk about these two? How, how do you think they fared this season uh, in terms of where they were drafted, what their expectations were, and just, you know, especially under the coaching and everything, how do you think Jonah Jackson and Ro- Julian Aquora fared? I think Jonah Jackson, he fared very well. He, um, I think he was a guy who stepped in and he got a lot of early playing time because we did have some injuries on the O-line, as I talked about with Logan Stenberg. Um, he was mostly a, uh, a pass protector coming out of college, and he was known for his 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 abilities to, to protect the, the passer. Um and he he showed some of that, but more his strengths showed more in the in the run game this year. He um he was much better on the ground from from what we saw. And uh, I think Jonah Jackson is a guy who who could have a, have a future on this team. It was great to uh, great to see him get some early playing time, and I think that's going to actually bode well for him going forward in his NFL career. Is to have kind of kind of be thrown to the wolves a little bit when he was a little bit on the younger side. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna come in, and I think since he showed a lot of strength in the run game, um, at the NFL level, which wasn't even expected of him, he was expected to be primarily a pass protector. Um, so if if he can come in and continue to do what he did in the ground game, and then implement some of his college strengths 
as far as uh, the pass protection. I think he could actually be a guy who could uh, mold into an all-around great interior lineman in the coming th- years here. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, I, first, I want to apologize. There's some background noise going on here. <laughs> it's uh, that's okay. It's, it's coming with recording a podcast, you know, with a small dog around. But uh, next up, who's next up then? Um, Julian Okwara. We were also talking about. We talked about those yeah. guys a little bit, but um, but Julian, um, of course, he he didn't see the field as much as his brother did. Um, Romeo Okwara, as you mentioned, we we're trying to work out a deal with him. He's led our team in sacks. Um. Julian Okwara, he's he's pretty intriguing. He's a guy I'd like to see more of. I'd like to see him get on the edge and and, and rush the passer a little bit. Um, it could be it could be an interesting uh, interesting tandem with him and his brother. I don't know. Maybe you get a little bit of that brotherly chemistry there. A little bit of that. No, that definitely kind of like the kind of like up in Seattle. You know, with the uh, oh, what are their names? The Griffins. The, uh, the Griffins. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think he was a great player. I think he was great. Uh, you know, probably the best third round draft pick that. Uh, Dan Quinn has has gotten in, in his years there. I can't think I can't think of a better one out of my memory. But um, no, I think I think he's got a future on the team. I think that he lived up to his expectations. I think he maybe even exceeded expectations a little bit. So, uh, Ian, I really want to talk about the second round draft pick. He was my favorite pick. Yes. out of this draft. You know, you know, uh, after the draft when I was really hyping him up, really talking about him, really saying how excited I was about him. I mean, I was I was on the DeAndre Swift train so early. I really wanted to buy a signed helmet by him that they had on uh, on NFL Shop because I was I really wanted to. Yeah. I ended up not, but uh, DeAndre Swift. <sighs> the first game, a lot of people were just so disappointed with him after that drop mm-hmm. uh, that would have won us the game against the Bears and. It wouldn't have turned our season around. I don't. I don't think it would have. But it definitely set the tone uh, for the coming weeks. He showed that he has the athleticism and the ability to, you know, the smarts and everything, just just to run routes. That I think DeAndre Swift is the future of the run game on our team. I think he is. He's so dynamic. Our next explosive. Yeah, I think he's our next explosive offensive player. I might even say he's the best offensive player we have right now, even including the fact that Jared Goff is a QB on our team. I think DeAndre Swift is the best offensive with, player. With Galladay gone, it's got to be him or Hawkinson, huh? Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, I forgot about Hawkinson. You know how I feel about Hawkinson. He's one of my favorites. But, no, DeAndre Swift and, and Hawkinson are the two best offensive players on the Lions. Or um, Frank Ragnow, honestly, but we're not going to get into all that. <laughs> No, we're, we're talking skill positions. I'm talking, I'm we're talking, talking skill, skill players, positions. Skill players, yeah. No, I think DeAndre Swift, he's going to exceed expectations this year with Deuce Staley and uh, Anthony Lynn calling these plays. I think that DeAndre Swift is going to be the man this year, and he might, who knows, over 1,000 rushing yards. I'm going to say it now. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good prediction. I think he's going to be kind of the workhorse for us next year. He's a guy, like you said, he has great vision, great ability with the ball in his hands. He's constantly making plays. He's looking for the end zone, um, and he's he, he's a he's a consistent player. He's a very consistent player, DeAndre Swift, and that's what I love about him. All right, and, of course, the third overall pick in the 2020 draft, Jeff Okuda. <sighs> Of, okay, co- so. of course, we uh, we didn't see as much from him as we would have liked in the first year. No. But as we talked, we talked know, about this in a previous ta- episode a little bit. We talked about the last bit. two podcasts. Yeah. Yep. Sorry to cut you off. We talked about the last two podcasts that that he has been injured. 
Um, had, had abdominal surgery in December when he was placed on IR. So don't forget, he was fighting through a, a surgery-ridden, a surgery-riddled injury um, throughout most of the season, and he was hampered by that and a bad scheme. Yeah, I think he, he was set up for failure. I mean, the fact that he was drafted third overall and he had the worst defensive coach in the history of the Detroit Lions, possibly the NFC North, possibly the NFL. I mean, <laughs> I can't express to you how much I hate Matt Patricia. But, no, <laughs> Jeff Okuda was set up for failure, and I think this year, you know, with the new team, we can see what he does or see what he does. And <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what he does, and, and who knows, he might just become the great cornerback that he was expected to be. So, uh, um, I think so. He'll be he'll be healed up. He'll be in a better environment. I think we'll see a huge leap from Okuda in year two. Exactly. So that's the draft from 2020. That's the draft class of 2020. And all this draft, all this draft talk is getting me hyped up, Michael. Actually, I wanted to ask what what are your top? Obviously, we need. Of course, we need a whole rebuild right now on our team. But what are your top three positions of need in the 2021 NFL draft for the Detroit Lions? All right. Number one, I think I think we need a wide receiver. Um, it's obvious, you know, we let we let uh, Jesse James or tight end go. We have Kenny Galladay leaving, we have Marvin Jones Jr. leaving. I think we have to draft a wide receiver. We have to draft someone to catch the ball down the field. Um, second position, I think we need. I'm gonna go with we need uh, we need another cornerback. We need another you know defensive back. Um, we need someone who's going to, you know, block passes. I think, you know, we need another corner, someone to help out Jeff Akuda. You know, I'd say if we could get a corner in the second round, that's going to be great. Oddly enough, my third biggest need for this year, which you, people might not agree with me, and I'm not saying we need to draft him in the first round. I'm not even saying we need to draft him in the third round. I'm saying we need to draft a quarterback, a competent quarterback, especially after Chase Daniel is talking about uh, – leaving the team we're talking about trading which is kind of funny because we talked about uh having chase daniel on the podcast our podcast came out on monday and then on monday they're like oh we're trading chase daniel i'm like oh well that that kind of you know is ruining our point we were making on our podcast yeah. but you know i think we a quarterback would would be a fine draft for me if we draft those three players uh obviously i think wide receiver round one especially with all the talent that's out there we draft a corner in round two, and somewhere along the way we draft a competent quarterback. Those are our three biggest needs we need for this year's draft. I don't know. Do you agree with me or do you disagree? I agree with you, definitely, especially on the wide receiver front. I think we most certainly need a guy who can make plays, and we do need to add to the wide receiver room. Without question, it's so bare right now. Um, and with the the high pick that we have, I think it would be an opportune time to to get one of the best wide receivers in the draft and really make a make a play in that department. Um, I do agree with the defensive back statement as well. I think we do do need a defensive back. The only the other thing I was thinking, obviously we need pretty much a whole overhaul on defense at this point. But aside from defensive back, I was thinking kind of um, edge rusher and linebacker, um, things like yeah, that. Yeah, linebacker, edge rusher, those are you know I, those are good. Those are good. Um, yeah, well, like I said, we need a lot of positions on defense right now. So I'm excited to see what they do in the draft. Um, and, and what's to come for the Lions. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's funny. So we were so excited to watch the draft together last year, and then obviously coronavirus happened, and we watched it virtually together. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it virtually with, with uh, you know, uh, 
my fiance was there and you know you were we were drinking beers together over the, <laughs> over the video yeah. chat but uh, i think this year we need to get together and we're gonna we're gonna start a little bet here right now all right okay what is it all right if my draft hat gets here before the draft this year because <laughs> it never does it always comes like two days later <laughs> my draft hat comes before the draft i will buy all all of our beer that night I, I i'll sign up for that bet that has zero that has a lot of reward and zero risk for me so i, I will sign <laughs> I know, up I, I will certainly sign up for that <laughs> all right so ian uh, i i just i also want to talk about where we're running a little short on time right now but i do want to mention one thing to you okay josh hill We'll get Josh to that. Hill. Yes, Josh Hill. So, Ian, talk about just talk about Josh Hill a little bit. I, I want your, you know, I know you know a lot more about uh, players that are outside of the Lions. I mean, you pay much more attention to the entire league. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, he was on the Saints. He's got that connection to Dan Campbell. Uh, I've seen him play. He was a, he was a great player. I don't. He's one of the better yeah. tight ends. And you know, releasing Jesse James, I think this is way better than a way better tight end than Jesse James. So, Ian, what do you, what do you think Josh Hill is going to contribute to the team? I think he's going to contribute um, quite a bit to the team. Actually, he uh, he he was a great player on the Saints for a number of years, and he's a guy who. He's he's more of a receiving tight end, but he can definitely do some work in the in the in the ground game as well from a blocking standpoint. From what we saw, I didn't watch every single one of his snaps on on film. Um, he's he's not a Tyreek Hill. He's not a Taysom Hill. He's he's a Josh Hill, and I think that I think, <laughs> I think we I love that. I think, oh, I love that. I think we know exactly what we're getting with him, and I mean, he's started. He's appeared in 117 career games. He's started 61 of them. He's got 15 touchdowns in the league, man. You don't get you don't get fifteen touchdowns in the league by accident, am I right? Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, another really so, cool thing about him, he was an undrafted rookie out of um, Idaho State in 2013. So I love seeing the undrafted guys make a big splash into the league. Think he could be a good depth guy behind Hawkinson. Absolutely, and so all right, folks. So that's it for the podcast today. Uh, do not forget, please subscribe, like the podcast, rate us five stars. Uh, follow us at Podcast Duncast on Twitter. Uh, we still have the contest going on. You can win yourself the draft hat if you follow us. Tweet at us. Use the hashtag Duncast Podcast. Get come, this out come there. Get that Share draft it with hat. your friends. What was that? I said, come get that draft hat, you guys. Come get that draft hat, and you can always email us your suggestions and comments at podcastduncast at gmail dot com. Ian. I don't know what that just was. <laughs> I think that's I think that's time to go. So <laughs> that's the alarm. Yeah, so thanks for having me, Ian. Uh I want to say goodbye to everybody. It was great to see you. Have a great week, everybody, and we're looking forward to this season. God bless. All right, it's God bless and stay biting off those kneecaps, folks. <laughs>